Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Thank you for your word. We thank you for your scripture, for the way that you move in our lives each and every day. We pray that you would soften our hearts and open our minds, that we would hear what you have to say for us and reveal to us your truth. In your name we pray. Amen. Morning. We're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 this morning, uh, starting in verse 16, for those of you who want to follow along. Starting in verse 16, be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to what is good. Avoid every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body, be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Good morning. I requested that song specially um, to be right before the sermon because I wanted that to be fresh on our minds, thinking of who we are. I am a flower quickly fading, here today and gone tomorrow, a wave tossed in the ocean, a candle in the wind. Still you hear me when I'm calling. You catch me when I'm falling, and you've told me who I am. I am yours. Isn't it good to belong to the Lord? Without that, what are we? Whoops, what do they do? There we are, okay. We've got to back it up a little bit, maybe. maybe. Oh, I've, no, I'm on, I think, right? <laughs> it's green, yeah, there's a little green, see? It's green, right? It's got, the, it's got the laser pointer. It's got to be working. Ah, oh, there we go. Okay, all right. Now it'll catch every button you hit in the last five minutes. Yes, and then, then it'll go through half the PowerPoint, and I'll be wondering, yeah. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, technical difficulties. So today we're going to be talking about praying and fasting. So I'm going to ask you, this is not a rhetorical question, because I feel like it looks and works a little bit differently in people's lives because we are all different and therefore our relationship with God is different. So what does prayer look like for you? A one-on-one conversation with the Lord. So when, when do you have these conversations with the Lord, Lee? Whereas I think the key thing to 
That's, I, I like that. That's a very good point. Uh, Lee pointed out that oftentimes we send up these prayers and we have these requests and these ideas and we keep talking and talking and talking and then we're like, okay, bye God, and we hang up the phone. But we don't ever pause to listen, to reflect on God's word, to see what he has, to listen, to feel for that still small voice of the Holy Spirit guiding us in what we should do. What does prayer look like for you? Anyone else? You have a prayer chair. So Mark has a designated spot where he goes to and he can pray. Yes. I like that. Coming together as a group. Uh, it says in God's word that uh, where two or more are gathered in his name, he is there. He's present with us. And I feel like oftentimes we kind of lose that group element of prayer. Oftentimes we focus on our one-on-one relationship with God, which is hugely important, and I am not in any way discounting that. But oftentimes there's a certain power and beauty in coming together as a family, whether it's your own biological family living in a house or your church family coming together and praying before the Lord. No matter what it looks like, there are quite a dozens, hundreds, I'd imagine, of places in the Bible where it talks about prayer. And we're going to go through a couple of those today uh, and sort of pick apart. So what does it look like, practically speaking, to be more adamant in our prayer? Because God wants to have a relationship with us. He refers to himself as our father. We know that throughout, particularly in the Gospels, anyone who calls on the name of Jesus, believes in him, puts their faith in him, is a child of God. But if we don't have a good relationship with our father, if we're not talking to him, what kind of a relationship is that? So in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. I want to go through this actually kind of backwards and pick apart what it says so that we can get a holistic picture of how this all works together. We see that the end goal of this is to be sanctified, through and through, whole body and spirit. It's to be kept blameless. Sanctify is one of those big old church words where God makes us holy as we follow him. We become more and more like him. The more time that we spend with him, the more time that we focus on him, the more time we delve into his scripture, and absorb his word and his truth. That happens over time. And we want to be sanctified through and through, whole body and spirit, entirely. But that's not something we do ourselves. It says, may God himself sanctify you. That is his action. It is something he will bring about in you. But you need to be diligent in allowing him to do that. 
And he's faithful. He's going to do it. Right there. He will do it. But how do we get to that point? We get to that point by rejoicing always, praying continually, and giving thanks in all circumstances. But that's hard. And what does that really look like? So the next thing I was thinking, so, so what is the point of prayer? How does prayer operate? What is the function? What does it do? And there are lots of different things you can pray about. You can pray about absolutely anything and everything. Like Lee was saying, it's a one-on-one conversation with God. You can talk about pretty much anything. But some of the key points, some of the key focuses we see in prayer is one, seeking forgiveness, recognizing that God is holy. He is perfect and we are not and humbling ourselves before the Lord, saying, God, I have done wrong. Giving thanks is another huge thing seen throughout Scripture. It was talked about this week. I talked about it last week. We need to constantly be recognizing the things that God is doing in our lives and presenting thanks for that because everything, every good thing comes from the Lord. Presenting requests, we did that together just a couple moments ago. We recognize the importance of giving up things in our life to God and saying, Lord, we know you have a plan. We know you are good. We know that you are the great physician. We know that you work miracles today. And I'm presenting this before you. Seeking God's will. It's so easy to listen to what the world has to say and to try and follow your own heart and follow your dreams and chase after the things that are right in front of us. But ultimately, what does all of that come to? If we're not bringing it before the Lord, like it says in Ecclesiastes, everything is meaningless. If we're not following the Lord. Last thing I have up there is growing closer to God. It's about building a relationship. It's about getting to know him. It's about listening to what he has to say and about being honest with ourselves. Prayer, while it is a good way to build our relationship with God, I also think it's a really good time for introspection and recognizing what it is that's on our hearts and in our minds. I don't know about you guys, but for me, I often have a really hard time not getting sidetracked during prayer. There are definitely circumstances where I'm really tuned in and I am feeling it. Um, For me, generally speaking, that seems to be when I'm driving and the radio's off uh, or in sort of busy environments like in a coffee shop where there's enough white noise in the background that I'm not tuned into one thing or the other. Um, But it's also not quiet enough for my mind to start going off and thinking about other things because there's enough noise in the background that my mind's kind of, not disoriented, but it's, it, it helps me to tune in. And I don't know how that works for you guys. For you guys, maybe you need absolute silence and a Bible in front of you. But for me, those are a couple of the things that I have found that works really well. Uh, this past summer, I was installing fences. That was my job. I would get up, I'd go to work at 7.30 in the morning. Uh, he was both a small business owner uh, who contracted his own fence jobs, but he was also a subcontractor for Lowe's, both on Asbury and Peach Street. 
And so we'd be all over the county, uh, sometimes we'd even go as far as like Meadville, um, to put in fences, dig holes in the ground, fill them up with concrete and posts, and put up a fence in somebody's yard. Um, and I would often drive the flatbed. There were three of us. Um, there was Jason, the guy who owned the business. There was Eddie, who was quite the character. Uh, and there was myself. Now, Eddie, for whatever reason, even though he was older than I am, in a relationship and had a small child, he didn't have a driver's license. So I was the one who always drove the flatbed because we would need the truck with all the equipment and the big auger drill, and we would often need to bring our own fence stuff uh, if it was a job for our fence company. Lowe's would just drop the stuff off there and wouldn't wrap up the concrete well, and it would get rained on, and that was always fun. But um, if it was one of our jobs, or if we had to tear down an old fence that was already up, we'd need the flatbed. And so I'd be driving, and this flatbed was not the best of trucks. The air conditioning was a little bit iffy, um, I broke the parking brake on it. That was, that's a whole nother story. Um, and it didn't have a radio. So I was driving, and there was a lot of ambient noise from the engine. It was a cab over, so the engine was right there. Uh, and it was just me. I never really had Eddie ride along. He was always with Jason. So it was just me in the truck following the Sprinter. And so when all you can really do is talk to yourself, oftentimes I would spend that time in prayer. And so it might not have been, you know, a quiet chair first thing in the morning right after breakfast, but it was something that would enable me to really focus and hone in on the Lord. And so, again, I don't know what that looks like for you, and now that I'm not, you know, driving a big cab over a flatbed, I need to find other times in my life to set aside for prayer. But for me, driving is one of those things where it's just really easy to kind of focus on praying and being with the Lord. I also think there's this balance when we're praying. I have heard it said that there are t-shirts out there, I've not gone looking for them, that say things like, Jesus is my homeboy. And while I understand the sentiment behind it, having a close relationship with God, we also need to recognize things like God is the divine creator of the universe who made us out of clay. And so calling him our homeboy might not be the most respectful way to go about that. I definitely appreciate the relationship aspect, but also recognizing who he is and how he is holy and perfect is important. Another thing we're commanded uh, to do in the scripture passage from today is to pray without ceasing. Now, granted, we can't always be sitting with our eyes closed. I mean, when I was driving, my eyes were not closed while I was praying. <laughs> and <laughs> Amanda says it hurts when you do that. She's right. Uh, and it says... Like I, like I mentioned earlier, God wants to bring us into his family. He wants to be our heavenly father. So we need to find this balance between him being the king of the universe who created absolutely everything, but also being our father. And we're to go before him constantly. The disciples approached Jesus one day and said, Lord, can you teach us to pray like John the Baptist taught his disciples? Uh, it says that in Luke. I'm reading the Matthew passage because... The uh, passage in Matthew is a little bit more 
familiar. It's, it's the one that is almost always recited. Uh, in fact, I'm probably going to have a hard time reading it in NIV. I don't even know why I put it up there in NIV. I probably should have put it up in King James because that's what everybody knows. Um, and Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, oh, give us today, see, this day, I was going King James. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus starts out by saying, our father. He recognizes that relationship. That's the first thing he says is our father. But then he points out in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your name be holy. We recognize your power, your might, your glory. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Before presenting any requests, he says, God, your will be done. We're looking forward to your kingdom coming on earth, establishing your will in your dominion. It's not about us. It's not about the things we want, not about the things we need. It's about you. Then he says, give us today our daily bread. This points back to when Israel was in the wilderness and they got manna and was it quail? I think it was quail, right? I don't know why I always think pheasant. I like second guess myself, but manna and quail. Uh, And so it was something that only lasted for the day. They didn't have refrigerators. They couldn't stash it. And God said, if you did stash it, it would turn into maggots and it would rot and it would be smelly and everybody would know that you did what you weren't supposed to do. It wasn't about stockpiling. God wanted them to rely on him each and every day for their needs. And that's what Jesus is pointing to. He's saying, Lord, provide our needs for today. Jesus also says not to worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough troubles on its own. We're to focus on today and how the Lord can provide for us today. Next thing, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. God wants us to forgive others. In fact, shortly after this passage, Jesus says, if we don't forgive others, the Lord isn't going to forgive us. And we need to forgive others the way that he's forgiven us. There's a whole parable about it with a king, and that's another sermon for another day. But forgiving others is important. God doesn't want us to hold grudges. He wants us to be open. And the last thing uh, in this prayer is, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Recognizing that there's temptation out there, but Lord, deliver us from it. Help us to stay away from it. Help us not to fall into the traps of the enemy, of the evil one. Now, when it comes to laying out prayers, there are different ways you can do it, and you can do it very spontaneously. This is just a little structure that I've often heard of, uh, and it's a good little tool. You don't have to use it, but I just wanted to give you something to put in your toolbox to save it for later if you ever need it or want it. Uh, And this way to more or less formulate your prayers is referred to as acts, like the book. Uh, And it starts with adoration, saying, God, I love you. You're so powerful. You're so mighty. You're so righteous. Confess, I know that I 
am not like that. I know that I am not perfect. I know that I have shortcomings. To thank him for all of the things that he's given us. And then supplication, I, it's, it's when you, you know, put forth a request. It's, they had to come up with an S word to make the acronym work, is all I can think of. Um, and the last thing is, for practicality's sake, to incorporate prayer in your everyday life, Something I have used, uh, I was introduced to it in college, is this app called Echo. I know it's on the Apple market. I don't know about Android and Google, but uh, it's called Echo, like Echo, 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 you know? Uh, And what it is, it's a little app that's designed for prayer. You can put in different little prayer requests. You can have it send notifications to your phone at a certain time of day, a certain day of the week, recurring a certain number of times, whether you want to do it once, whether you want to do it every day, every week, Um, And you can literally have it be, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So you can have different prayer requests different days of the week. And it's just an easy way. It sends it to your phone. I've actually got a couple notifications from it today. Uh, Wants to pray for John. He was my RA in college. Um, It's easy to add prayers. And if you have a certain amount of time. It even has a little thing that just shuffles through all of your prayer requests that you have documented on the app so that you can just pray for all of those things at once. It's quick, it's easy, it's free, and it's a handy little tool that you can have with you in your pocket to just remind you to set aside a little bit of time to pray. I have all of mine set up um, to go at 35 after at different hours. Uh, so like 11.35, 12.35, 1.35. And I picked 35 because I knew that it was a random enough time that it would be easy to say, oh, this is a prayer request. I know what that is. And so even if I don't pull out the phone and look at the app, I'm at least mindful. I should be praying for this person or I should be thinking about this person, connecting with them, petitioning before the Lord. Now, the next thing we're going to talk about is Fasting. Fasting and prayer go hand in hand. And so I'm going to ask a couple of you guys, what do you think of when you hear the word fasting? Serious. I like that. Strengthening your prayers. Cures the unbelief. I like that. That's interesting. It humbles you. It does. Now, before we get into fasting, I really want to hammer this home. Fasting should always have a purpose. This is not a fad diet. I am not encouraging you to just stop eating. Not all forms of fasting are good for everyone. If you have diabetes, if you're pregnant, if you're whatever. It isn't necessarily something that universally, in all circumstances, in all ways for every person, is something that you should do with Food. I'm not going to say you need to stop eating absolutely everything and get on your knees and pray. For some people, that would be a serious health detriment. And I am not trying to encourage any sort of eating disorders, anorexia, bulimia, or the other extreme of eating too much. But I do want to promote fasting as a tool to help get you pointed, to help humble you, to help cure your unbelief, to help... Strengthen your prayers. And there are different kinds of fasting. It does not have to be food. I think that actually some of the most effective fasting, at least for me personally, is when it's not food. So 
some of the different things you can fast. Uh, the one picture isn't super great. Um, it was supposed to emphasize airplane mode. I feel like getting off of social media, turning off your phone, not watching TV, or not eating, whether it's just not eating certain foods or whether it's taking a moment and skipping a meal or two or even three if you feel the need and the spiritual uh, pull to do so, to set aside different things that you do in your everyday life that you kind of take for granted and lean on and set them aside. Because the whole point of fasting isn't to not eat. It's not to be hungry. It's not to lose weight. The whole point of fasting is to be leaning on the Lord. In Matthew chapter 11, it says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. In those days, fasting was a big deal, and oftentimes you would tear your clothing and put ashes on your head, and woe was me, and I'm, I'm in prayer. And everybody could see it, everybody could sometimes hear it, it would be accompanied by wailing sometimes. It was a big to-do. But God says it's not about that. It's not about making a show. It's about humbling yourself. It's about leaning on God and recognizing that he is the one who will provide for our needs. He's the one who will reward you for doing it in secret. So why fast? We see different fasts of different kinds throughout the Bible. We see Jesus fasting in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights before he's tempted by the devil. I honestly think that that was not an accident. I think that he was fasting because he knew he was about to be tempted by Satan himself. Daniel restricted his diet uh, in the first couple chapters of Daniel uh, when they are taken away uh, into captivity and they are brought before the king and they are to be trained up as different political figures of different levels. And so they're eating from the king's table. But the king was not observing all of the Jewish laws because he wasn't a Jew. And Daniel was like, whoa, that's not cool. I want to glorify God. So he speaks to the guards and he says, hey, I, this, this is not something good for me. This is not something that glorifies God. I'm not going to do this. If you can give my buddies and I just vegetables and water, we can do a trial period. And if we're not looking good, you can make us eat the food. But just give us a trial period. And the guard was like, I could, I could lose not only my job, but my head for this. I will give you a trial period, but if this doesn't work, that's it. You're done for. You're going to eat what everybody else eats. And after that trial period, they were looking better than everybody else, so the guard put everybody on that diet. And Jesus also spoke of fasting and prayer for casting out demons. Now, I'm not saying that in your everyday life you're going to run around casting demons out of people. You could, theoretically, but I'm not saying that that's something you're going to run into on an everyday basis. Um, but the disciples were approached by someone saying, hey, my son has this demon, it's a really bad situation, and they prayed for it and nothing happened. And they went and they got Jesus, and they're like, Jesus, we tried it, it didn't work, what's the problem? We, we did the thing, and the thing didn't do the thing. And Jesus was like, some will only be cast out by 
prayer and fasting. And he spoke, and the demon went away, and the child was cured. Fasting isn't some magic formula. It's not, okay, I fasted and I prayed, and so God's going to give me what I want. So ha. You can't strong-arm God into doing anything. But it is a way to help us recognize that we need to lean on him in these circumstances, that our strength comes from him, and that when we're feeling weak, when we feel those hunger pangs, or when we keep checking our phone, even though there's no notifications because it's on airplane mode, recognizing, oh, I turned this thing off because I don't need it. I need God. I need to be focused on him. When you're about to turn on the television, but you remember, no, we're not doing that this week because I want to be more focused on prayer. That's what it's about. Fasting equals focus. Now, there are different ways to go about fasting, like I was kind of mentioning. You can do a total fast, not eating or drinking. You can do one that's more like what Daniel did. Um, In fact, there is a... I hesitate to call it a fad diet. It was a thing that was very popular in Christian circles a few years ago, and they called it the Daniel Fast, and it was like a three-week cleanse, more or less, of eating vegetables and then incorporating a few different things. And the idea was to help cleanse your body and your mind and your soul. Uh, And I've also heard of some people, whether it's for dietary restrictions or just because they uh, get feeling shaky and jittery and things, when they fast, they'll drink. Um, a little bit of juice or a smoothie perhaps uh, to help keep their blood sugar up and from getting shaky or dehydrated. Um, Or even fasting from, like I was saying, activities and distractions, watching TV, turning off social media, that kind of a thing. Because the whole point is to focus on the Lord. So overall, the whole point is to pray without ceasing, to seek the Lord's will, and to sharpen your focus on him. I want you guys to go out this week and whether or not you feel led to fast, I hope you all feel led to prayer. And so I want you guys to go out and see what God has in store for you, to see how he leads you, to see how he guides you, and to see what he has to say. Dear God, I thank you so much for the way that you are present in our lives for the words you have to say to us, for the ways that you move. God, we thank you for everything from the sunrise to our families. And we pray that you would bless us and bring us closer to you this week, even today. Lord, if there's someone who doesn't know you, we pray that they would feel led to have that relationship, to view you as Father, to start leaning on you each and every day. Lord, if there is someone like that, I pray that you would compel them to speak to myself, to Dan, to Mark, to some of the uh, deacons or deaconesses. God, that they would be guided to you, that they could follow your will. We lift these things up in your precious and holy name. Amen.